listening to the coffee hour i'm andy bates i'm sarah golseth thanks to concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon we are continuing our conversation in the set apart to serve series encouraging young people to consider church work vocations our guest today the reverend kevin robson chief mission officer for the lutheran church missouri synod Pastor Robson, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to be with you, Andy and Sarah, and with the great listeners at KFUO. It's always a privilege to have a chance to look a bit. Chief Mission Officer. All right, so in this series, we talk about church work vocations. What is a chief mission officer in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and what does the the chief mission officer, or CMO as we call it, Mm -hmm. what does the CMO do? You know, I've been here almost eight years now in this job called and appointed by President Harrison to serve the church, and I'm still trying to figure that out, Andy. (laughs) But really, and all joking aside, it's been the greatest privilege of my life, my working career and vocation to serve the church in rising and leading the five main programmatic mission and ministry units that comprise the the core of our work as a church body in the Office of International Mission, the Office of National Mission, uh, serving both our overseas partners and carrying forward the, the gospel into so many countries around the world, uh, working and serving our 6,000 congregations here in the United States, working and uh, developing resources for them, uh, working through our 30 five districts here in the United States, then the Office of Pastoral Education, all the work that we're doing to uh, form and prepare future pastors and other church workers, the pre-seminary and post-seminary continuing education programs of the Synod, as well as LCMS Mission Advancement. We minister to the donors, our contributors who make all of this work possible, and it's a very important task that we keep them well-informed about the impact of their contributions on the advance of the gospel and the impact on human lives. And then LCMS Communications, which is a unit that's responsible for all of our print and electronic media, our social media, crisis communications, public relations. It's a, it's a multi-varied a unit there that handles all kinds of information, the, the many pieces of information that come out of our life and work together as a, as a synod. And really a blessing to manage and supervise those units on behalf of and at the direction of the president of the synod and in response to convention resolutions and uh, policies and goals that are set for us by the two mission boards. So wonderful opportunity to serve the church, and I feel very fortunate and thankful to be serving the LCMS in that capacity these past years. Yeah, that that sounds like a a lot. There's a lot that happens in this building just with all of the different people serving the church in all of their different roles and vocations and and skills and all of this stuff that that you get to interact with on a daily basis. And it it, it really is fun, Sarah, to have a bit of a front row seat to that (laughs) and watch what happens. You put a bunch of creative, very driven and committed Lutherans together who love Christ, love the gospel, want to see more people know about Jesus and receive him and confess their faith in him as their savior. And that uh, could be, you know, in a uh, as humble a setting as a small congregation here in the United States, in one of our over 800 grade schools and high schools that our congregations operate here in the United States. 
in tar paper shack churches in Tanzania or some of the grandest church settings that we have around the world in our church partners. People need to know about Christ and it and it happens and it's just beautiful to see it come together. And it's complicated too. It's deliciously complicated. There's many different aspects to this and all of these people bringing their gifts and skills and abilities together and making these things happen all under the grace and watchful eye of God. It's just a lot of fun to see that that take place. Deliciously complicated. I'm going to use that. That's great. <laughs> so uh, some of the, the people that we have in this building and that you oversee, but also across the Senate are, are pastors and other church workers. What is, how did you get here? What is your role or what is your path to becoming a yeah. pastor. You know, I'm, I'm a second career pastor. I have a fondness for second career pastors, having been one myself. I, I never imagined myself as a parish pastor. Grew up in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Had it, was very fortunate to have uh, a whole string of pastors that served my family and ultimately me and my spouse and my son. We, I grew up in a, an environment where I was headed on, out on a ba- business career. I worked for two very large multinational corporations for about 16 years, but was involved in a church plant, an LCMS church plant in eastern Pennsylvania. And our pastor there was really the first guy that said to me, why are you chasing all of this earthly mammon and doing all of this business stuff? You should become a pastor. And I had to laugh at that. I, I, I had never thought of that as a, as a career path or a vocation. And he was really rather persistent and 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 just positively encouraging and fed me a lot of good things to read was a wonderful preacher very inspiring and after a number of years it began to sink in the the encouragement that he was giving me and decision took a while my wife and I prayed intensively about this over the course of several years but ultimately made the decision to leave that secular job and turn into a path towards ordination. Enrolled at our seminary in Fort Wayne, very blessed to receive my MDiv from Fort Wayne and worked in the parish until I was called to serve several parishes up in Minnesota, great state of Minnesota, and then ultimately was asked by President Harrison to serve in this capacity here in 2015. That is a great story. The The transition from the mm. business world to seminary life and pastoral formation, mm. <laughs> what, I, I want to go back to that. What was that transition like from this very busy business world mm-hmm. to seminary life? And the the rhythm and the of seminary life and the the community of seminary life. Yeah. What what was that that transition like? And compare those two worlds. Yeah. You know, I, I worked in a, the the last job I had was air products and chemicals out in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We had a very large corporate campus. I think several thousand people working on the campus there. Very large office facilities and research laboratories and all kinds of things going on in that campus. And a very exciting, lively place. I, I felt very blessed to work there. I would have 
been very happy to work my entire rest of my earthly life working career working there they treated me very well and the decision you know it was with some sadness that I said goodbye to that my friends and my working co- colleagues there and yet in transitioning to the seminary perhaps a bit of a for a while at least a bit of a more contemplative life and one that was immersed in the word of god it was i still look back on that and say what a luxury that was in that setting in Fort Wayne to devote all of my waking hours beyond taking care of my family to the study of God's Word and the engagement of God's Word with my fellow students. There's nothing like that. It's I, I still look back on that with a great deal of fondness and, and delight that I was given that privilege to study God's Word with, with, with very experienced faculty, the leading Lutheran theologians in the world. What is that deliberation like when you're when you're in a career and somebody, a pastor or a church worker or, or somebody else close to you says, hey, you should think about being a pastor. What is that deliberation period like for those men who then decide to be second career pastors? Yeah. You know, there's all the practical stuff that immediately comes to mind. You know, I'm not going to receive a salary, at least for some time when I go to the seminary. I'm probably not going to get paid as well as I I was in the secular world. And, you know, all of those practical, how do I get past this issue or that? I'm going to relocate my family, the living arrangements. Where are we ultimately going to end up? It's a bit like the service in the military. Mm. You complete a period of training and then you await your orders, so to speak. And that, that first call out of seminary is a rather exciting and yet nervous time as well as where are we going to end up serving God's people? And uh, all of that has an element of excitement to it, and yet uh, at the same time trepidation. And it's really uh, a time, as I look back on it, where you learn to trust that God has a plan. And in his mercy, even during times of some trial, maybe even suffering, I might say, Mm. there is a sense that God is taking care of this that there is a plan that's unfolding and that there's a purpose here that ultimately will be fulfilled. And, you know, I can honestly look back now on that whole trajectory of my life, the service in some very beautiful parishes that Mm -hmm. I was blessed to serve up in Minnesota. But then ultimately all of that leading to a time here in the International Center and serving the church in this capacity. And one can see at every step of the way how God was in some sense preparing me, my family, and my colleagues for what was yet to come and what was yet to unfold. It's beautiful that you can see that there was purpose in each step of this and how God formed you into the pastor and now the leader and administrator that God has given you to be in our church body today. I'm grateful that that you can see that. And I think I, I want to talk a little bit more about second career pastors and, and second career church workers in mm-hmm. general mm-hmm. as well as we continue the conversation and a little bit more about the need 
for church workers mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. As you shared earlier, you kind of get the front row seat of what's mm-hmm. going on across the whole church body of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. So I'm going to chat about that too in just a moment. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Our guest today, the Reverend Kevin Robson, Chief Mission Officer for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our Set Apart to Serve series with the Reverend Kevin Robson, Chief Mission Officer for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And so we've learned about what the Chief Mission Officer is and the Lord's path to bringing you to serving as Chief Mission Officer, serving as a pastor in that formation, and what it was like as a second career to become a pastor, to go through that formation. What is the need for church workers today, whether they are second career or coming through straight out of high school and college into that formation? Yeah, you know, I think the need is significant, and we're talking about not only pastors, but Lutheran educators, deaconesses and any other number of church work vocations. The fact of the matter is today that we are simply not graduating enough church workers to replace those who are either retiring or going to be with the Lord in heaven forever. And we really do have a situation where there is going to be an increasing need to fill vacant positions in our congregations, our schools, and the other agencies of the Synod. So as we look forward over the next decade, it's going to be important that we have conversations with both our youngest uh, members, our congregations, five, six, seven years old. We should be starting these conversations in the home about possibility, at least, then prayerfully during the possibility that our young people might consider a path towards serving the Lord in in one of these professional church work careers. And at the same time, talking with some of our adult members, those who are in, in another career at this point, and whether they might consider bringing perhaps a wealth of work experiences, career experience, academic training, and other disciplines, and bring that to bear in context of, for instance, the Office of the Holy Ministry and serving as a congregation pastor. You know, I, I mentioned a fondness for my colleagues who have been second career pastors, and this is nothing at all. I, I, I look with envy on those young men who have sort of gone straight through the system and straight into seminary and the number of years that they're able to serve church in the office of the holy ministry. But for those of us who were late to the game, right, and, and 
and, and second career. There is, I think, another aspect to this, too, in that um, oftentimes our second career pastors can bring a more well-rounded perspective on what it is and what our families and our congregations are experiencing as they work through their vocational trajectories and how they take care of one another and how they deal with balancing a career and family and how a congregation works or the pitfalls of a voters' assemblies and church councils and boards and all the things that we know are part of our life together, uh, both uh, the challenges and the joys, uh, to bring that perspective into a, a, a seminary track and then onward into service in the parish can be a mighty blessing uh, for parishes who receive uh, second career pastors uh, to be the servants of the Lord in that place. From your own experience and the people that that surrounded you as you were deliberating that that career vocational switch from your own experience how can we encourage those adults around us those people who are in a career maybe not thinking about it but if if we recognize that they may have these skill sets what is that encouragement the the culture that we can create around these vocations that can be encouraging for these um, adults to be considering this That's, that's a great question sarah you know i think part of it is simply, first of all, making sure that we're clear about the need for people who will serve the church in these capacities, that this is really such a wonderful privilege to carry word of God into the midst of people's lives. There's no other career like this. And I, you know, I, I, that, that, that secular career I had before seminary, pales in comparison. I was working with millions of dollars and making a lot of money for our company and our shareholders and being well compensated for that. But none of that even begins to hold a a straw's worth of worth compared to being able to actually stand in a pulpit and uh, proclaim truth of God's word or to be with families and individuals at the most crucial moments of their lives and bringing the strength and the peace of comfort and God's word into the midst of those situations. There's no other experience like that. And we really need to share that with the people in our pews, what that's like, and to hold up our church workers, those who are really examples to us, and looking up to them as something that, you know, I, I, I to consider really, could I ever do that? Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Lord is calling you to that, there's means by which the church can prepare you for serving the flock in those kinds of capacities. And to make sure that people realize that that's not out of reach or an impossible dream, but is very much the substance of what it is to live together as God's people. We are, you know, in, in, we, we like to say that the church is Christ's body, right? It's the incarnate embodiment of Christ in the world today is each one of us is part of the flock. And it's part of our life together. It's what a body does. We call pastors, we prepare and call pastors, teachers, and deaconesses who are well-formed, able to handle the Word of God, able to divide law and gospel rightly, apply it effectively in people's uh, lives, and to strengthen uh, the flock to advance God's kingdom and expand the gospel both locally and around the globe. It's it's just a, an adventure of a, an earthly lifetime. 
in your position as chief mission officer, you shared earlier, you get kind of that front row seat of what's happening across the, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, both domestically and internationally as well. What and so now set apart to serve in in, in full force uh, mm-hmm. as our church worker recruitment initiative and mm-hmm. in encouraging people to consider church work vocations, whether it's young people considering that as part of their college experience and and into adulthood or second career coming from another career into church worker formation with where we are in set apart to serve now. And I know that you get some updates on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us what what you think about where we are with set apart to serve and where you hope what you hope will accomplish with set apart to serve i'm really watching with great delight the the path that we've taken over these past years starting with the convention in 2019 that really gave us the marching orders to move forward with this initiative which was just in the conceptual stage back then Uh, but the means by which we have gone through a very careful uh, set of research projects uh, involving uh, individuals, congregations, districts, uh, seminaries, Concordia University system institutions, uh, to really sort of thoroughly define a way forward here in which we could engage laity in our church and our church workers in these conversations inspiring our members to consider the possibility, at least to consider the possibility of serving in any of these church work vocations. And as that research was completed and some very specific and very extensive planning was completed on how we're going to continue to uh, convey the, the purpose of this initiative and affect a cultural change within the Synod, where this is becomes one of the things that's part of our DNA, that we're naturally talking about this with one another and with our young people and with our adults, with our second career folks as well. It's just part of who we are and as, as natural as breathing. We're, we're actually talking with one another about what it is to serve in these nations and the realistic probability that one, if someone feels feels that internal call, pursue preparations to, to serve in these vocations. We're at the stage now where, you know, we're rolling this out in different ways with the provision of resources. Uh, we work with Concordia Publishing House on curricular material for our Sunday schools and day schools. We're going to be putting resources into the hands of parents who can have this conversation within the family, with their children, and going forward, working with with the rollout of a pilot program. Every one of our 35 districts, we've identified congregations and schools who will be participating in this, the beta version of the rollout of some of this material and giving us good feedback so that we're making course adjustments along the way. We're going to just see a a more frequent and a natural conversation taking place over this possibility, and it will have its impact. I'm I'm confident it's going to have a wonderful impact for years to come on on the forward trajectory of our synod. With all the inertia that's been building up, you talked about all of these stages it's gone through. What are you What are you hopeful for? What do you see this this initiative and all of this this natural conversation that has been happening? Yeah. What it, What are you hopeful for that the that we'll see in a few years? Yeah, you know, we're, we're recently in the last several years, our seminaries in total have been gra- seeing graduating classes of Master of Divinity students 
between the two seminaries totaling perhaps around 100 or so mm-hmm. a year. One would love to see the day when that number was perhaps three or 400 pastors, and we can use them not only in existing parishes, but in the work that we're doing with the church planting initiative. That's a completely, maybe we could have another conversation about that <laughs> someday too, about the great work that's going on in the uh, in, in church planting here in the United States and in partnership with many of our church partner bodies around the world. But there will be a place for those pastors. If we were to ever, the Lord was ever to bless our efforts and we were to get to three or 400 seminary graduates every year, there would be a place for them to serve. The, the fields are, are white for harvest and the Lord will bless us as we move forward. And so I think that, that that's the kind of dream that I have and we'll see if the Lord answers that someday, Sarah. That'll be great to see that happen. Likewise with our teachers, too. It's There's a critical need to see well-trained teachers in our Lutheran MS school system who are able to deliver the gospel in the classroom. Just a wonderful um, outreach and evangelistic opportunity there with our Christian day schools to advance the gospel and introduce more people to Jesus. If there's one thing I could say about our schools, if there's one more thing that we could do at any one of our LCMS schools around the country, it's tell one more student about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And do that, and to do that effectively, We need well-trained educators who can convey the gospel just as naturally as the three of us sitting here in the studio are talking today. Well said, well said. Our guest today, the Reverend Kevin Robson, Chief Mission Officer for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour and sharing this conversation about Set Apart to Serve. My pleasure. Always glad to have a chat. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.